0: This episode of Films Deep Podcast was originally recorded on November 2nd, 2015. It is edited by myself, co-producer and engineer of Films Deep Podcast on November 14th,
1: 2015. Shut up and sit down.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Films D Podcast Episode 3. I'm your host, Richard Thomas. Today's guest, we have co-creators of one of my favorite networks, Christmas in July since 1982, Karen Rose Bruning and Artemis Jenkins. Before I get into our conversation, I just want to drop a couple gems in regards to what's going on in the world of Films D. As you may know, i curate the content on com. <sighs> I should be out of breath right now, though. Um, I... For the sake of timing and formatting, I will fast forward Richard's monologue into his introduction. It's funnier that way. Enough about the world of film news. Thank you to the both of you for taking this call and interview with me on Films D Podcast. I'm excited to have you as guests.
2: Well, thank you for having us, first of all. Um, You know, appreciate every opportunity to, um, you know, speak with somebody interested in our work, but also, you know, just, uh, you know, to be able to speak to the community, you know, in um, in any capacity, especially to link context, you know, to the things that we create.
0: So, Artemis, when did you um, fall in love with film and photography and um, art? Because I I feel Mm -hmm. a great deal of the work that you do Is all about just the, the, not just the visuals, but even the, um, the undertones that are present in both the, uh, color choices, um, the music, um, even the types of stories that you tell.
2: Um, well, I mean, I guess the best way to answer that question is, you know, I'm, I'm slow to love, but you know, like once I do, you know, I'll be, I'll I'll be there, you know, to the, to the end. And that's, and it hasn't been any different with film. Like, oh, I wasn't, I don't have any stories about, you know, a particular moment, you know, um, you know, maybe when I just couldn't be without a camera or something like that. Uh, you know, me um, working in film and, and video, it's really just been one of those steady journeys, you know. Like, I didn't really discover, you know, that I was even, it was even something I might have been interested in until I was about, uh, you know, maybe 25. And that's when I started actually just, kind of getting a beat on what I wanted to do in life, period. So once, you know, uh, it's, it's been a gradual process in that once I was able to get past, you know, uh, being able to establish working in film as something that I could I could support myself with, um, you know, I guess it's practical use, then um, the the labor of love part of it, you know, I started to come to the forefront more so. I, like, I've always just, I guess just had a, love from the jump for it because you know I was always wanted to just do it whatever you know whatever the job was or whatever you know the project was I always enjoyed it so I mean there was always that level of love there I suppose but you know um, I think in the recent years I've really found been able to key in on my voice and you know why specifically um, you know I I like to communicate in this way and what it does for me so it's just been a process but you know we heading in the right direction
3: See, I guess I'm the exact opposite I've known since I was like 10 <laughs> um, and I'm so I'm and I am the person who like I have that that movie story uh, I had seen do the right thing and then I had seen poet, I, not poetic justice because my mother had no idea I was watching we did our movies all the time mm-hmm. um, but I was like I want to do this you know and uh, and I became really, like, enthralled by everything Spike Lee. And I just thought that it was audacious that he would write everything and direct everything and then, you know, um, put himself in things. Uh, sometimes I lead, sometimes not. But the idea that there were no limits to how you could make a film and, and what you could do as a storyteller were the things that I found really exciting. So, you know, when I was 10, I wanted to be... Like Lee and Janet Jackson, like I was very clear on those two things, and mm-hmm. so um, it's kind of always been. And I think as I aged and I got into other directors like uh, Julie Taymor is one of my one of my other faves, and just kind of watching the way people uh, directors choose to tell stories, I knew uh, I knew I wanted to be involved in film. I started off as a performer, but then I really really got into the behind the scenes and the importance of you know. Every
0: look and uh, the direction, so I knew. I've always known, essentially, that this—that I, I needed to be in film. I was very clear on that. Mm. Awesome. Artemis, what do you mean by um, your slow to love? I, I know I, I caught that early on um, in your response. Uh, is this something that is uh, kind of universal in terms of your relationships and your connections with other people, your art? um your fandom uh for a particular artist um what do you mean
1: i mean
2: it's um uh, it's something that <clears throat> is more present in my personal relationships than anything um uh, you know i just you know you got people who when they meet people they just haul up on them and they can't be without them and but they only know them for like two hours they ain't said nothing but you know, some Cheddar Bay Biscuits and make friends forever and, you know, all of that. And, you know, some people, like, wear that heavy emotion, you know, like, right on, you know, their chest. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, you know, just as quickly as they, you know, come to love somebody, they can just quickly be like, all right, I'm good. And, you know, I'm not like that, Um, you know, uh, when I meet people. um, Yeah. they get a, they get parts of me, but you know I, I give them I give them all the good stuff as long as you know like you know they stick around, mm-hmm. and um, I guess just in terms of me being able to just you know as far as some concerned it, it isn't really about you know me having to I guess decide that you know I wanted to show film something because you know it's not a person but it's you know just been more. Of, a circumstance-related thing, like I said. um, Well, like I didn't say, uh, I'm self-taught in everything that I do. So, you know, where I've been, you know, just basically trying to hone these technical aspects of my craft while uh, trying to make a living for myself while, uh, you know, trying to tell stories, you know, the way that I want to see them and, you know, be as creative as I can. You know, you got to find some space in there, you know, to get in uh, touch with the. guess the finer aspects you know which would be uh i guess all the love part and all that so now you know uh i guess my story is a little broader um just in terms of you know like how i got to the love part you know because i mean it's a lot of little moments that just end up into one as opposed to you know like um you know somebody shooting a certain project or seeing a certain movie for the first time
0: so you're self-taught in both as a photographer and a cinematographer, film, storytelling, all of that? Yeah. So even. i caught everything. So even in Smoke and Mirrors, I know your character, Sonny Richards. He's um, mm-hmm. writing treatments, like all of these types of things you've learned over the years, like picking up books and trial and error. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, like that was one of the, you know, uh, I guess easier or, you know, maybe more obvious aspects of the character, you know, that directly related to me. You know, we didn't, you know, I guess really feel the need to extend too far. We didn't know. We just wanted him to be a creative. And, you know, the fact that it was just something that I did in real life already, I mean, it made for, it definitely helped make the experience, you know, a lot more authentic, you know, in terms of, you know, the character and people being able to see that. So, yeah, that is one thing, you know, that we both definitely have a common in real life and for fake life
0: uh so what is your objective as a filmmaker?
2: um the objective you know that Karen Rose and I share is, you know um it's a few different you know things, but um they're all rooted in um you know the need to create a love and um you know understanding of you know our community and our experiences so we at the heart of it, you know, we're not unique in the fact that we want to um, give a voice to the voices. There are a lot of people you know, have that platform. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Karen Rose and I really want to take the time to really explore, you know, um, the breadth of, you know, what the black experience is. Because, I mean, it's, it's really broad. Like, you know, even though there are things, you know, that her and I uh, come together on, you know, relate to in a very similar way. You know, there are aspects, you know, of our stories that are very different. You know, her being, you know, West Indian descent, you know, me, you know, just basically just being from Baltimore and, you know, probably having some ancestry in South Carolina. You know, that's already, you know, a difference there. You know, the male and female aspect of it, growing up black and male, growing up black and female, growing up black, you know, that's where we meet. And, you know, there's just all these different aspects, you know, like between the two of us you know, to be able to create a lifetime worth of stories about. And, you know, we want to be able to uh, explore those things as far as how they relate to other people as well because, you know, the experience gets even deeper Um, the more people you talk to and, you know, the more um, places that everyone comes from because, I mean, that's the crazy part about it too. You know, we're minorities here, but, you know, we're the people of the center. you know, the universal... uh, race pretty much. You know, we everywhere in every continent. So that's a lot of stories to tell.
0: Um I'm really fond of a lot of the work that you all do. Um and one of the biggest things that I've wanted to know was where did you all get the idea to create smoke and mirrors? Is that based upon personal experience or Karen, yes. did you have the concept and you approached our No. Wrestler?
1: How did it's that very out?
3: personal It's super personal. Um, Yeah, um, I love to tell this story because when he tells it, it's like a lot cleaner than than it actually happened. (laughs) Um, He says, he usually tells people, you know, it comes from a personal place and you know we want to talk about it. And the reality is uh, Artemis and his girlfriend had just broken up and, and he wanted to, like he was like in a huff and he had some stuff that he wanted to say yeah. About relationships and things that these women ought to be doing in these streets, and I was having none of that. So um, he came back and he had an idea for the first episode. He completely pitched me the first episode, mm-hmm. and I wrote it. And then I wrote three more, and I was like, "Here, here's the first four of this." Oh. And it kind of just happened. Maybe like in a week, two weeks, I think we were, the first four episodes were done. Wow! And that's when we, so we just we went from there.
0: That's incredible.
3: Because I think, well, after after he pitched the first episode, um, a lot of what I wanted to say had to do with my take on his relationship mm-hmm. and the relationship of a lot of my guy friends. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the The stories of Phil and Jeff are, you know, a lot of them are the stories that about their actual lives, that I kind of turned on his ear and added, you more comedic value to. Yeah. But a lot of it was, uh, it was my response to a lot of the things that I had seen my my guy friends do, and a lot of the crazy decisions that they made. And so that was the story, but it definitely started from, AJ and his
1: girlfriend breaking up.
0: All right. All right. Yeah, I I, I definitely uh, can relate to it all of those, the male archetypes and characters that you um, created um, in the series. Uh, one of the reasons why I connected so well, much with that series was because like I had gone through a similar experience uh, myself um, and was going back and forth between two women. Uh, and yeah, I just, mm. I, I was like, ah, th- this brother, no exact, I just, like, it just, it feels good to be able to connect and know that somebody else is, has a shared experience that you've you know, gone through yourself. And then to be able to see it um, told in such a creative manner is just one of those things that is inspiring. Uh, I just had to keep watching. And at one point, like I, I felt like I could write some episodes or I could be like, yo, this would be dope if you So, But um, I'm, I'm sure you all are, are there any plans for another season? Or I'm that, not
1: telling. Okay. All right. No, that's fine. Uh, I mean, I, no, I know it's there totally was, was
0: there, was there, and was there a particular reason why there was maybe a, there was a lapse in a couple months or a year, I think between season it one was, and two.
3: Well, here's the complete transparency is that when we finished season one, I was done with it.
1: Oh, um,
3: I, in general, I like to tell a full story, and mm-hmm. when I'm done with a story, I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's more to say, then mm-hmm. I go back and say things. Mm-hmm. And I think the way that, that I left it, if Dixon had anything else to say, then then I could keep telling the story. But I was really over Dixon. Mm-hmm. I found him really obnoxious uh, by the end. <laughs> but uh, what really happened is that the fans just started to really pick it up and then got a second wind. Um, uh, two, a, a really major blogger posted it, uh, Hey Friend Hey, and uh-huh. the numbers got rocketed, and then we got a, another move by uh, Madame Noir. We were yeah. on their top ten, we well, we're number one, actually, on their top ten list of Black Web series, uh-huh. and then I couldn't I could not do another one, so I did it. I went to write the second season, but it, yeah, I don't, Dixon is my least favorite character, so... <laughs> It required that I go back in and, you know, figure out what he has to say and actually kind of deal with his shenanigans all over again. So, I mean, I always leave myself room Mm
1: -hmm.
3: because if there's something else to say, then I'll say it. But so I won't say if there's a season three. A lot of the cats have been asking for one. So we'll see.
0: I would definitely look forward to that. I I, got to say that that's one of my um, favorites because of the fact that I relate to it so much. Um, like as a fan, but um, there are quite a few other projects that you all have worked on and I would love to talk about those more so. uh, Most recently, um, the project, if you know the words, feel free, uh, in so many different ways that project, I've like watched it, what, how many times now? Three times now. And after watching it the last time today, I was really caught up by the fact that, that I feel as though it's a story that could have been, how can I put this? Um, No, I just feel like you'll, I I feel like there was a character missing, like your character. Like I really feel like your character was missing. Um, It in, Although it was in, I think that that's what made it all the more interesting. I, the fact that the person doing the like the videographer for the entire project was not there. I never heard you ask a question. Everybody just provided the answers. Like how did that, those prompts or that editing process take place? Cause it seemed well, like you I were always there at the right time. I, I was in it. I was in did the I beginning. No, yeah, 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 you were in the beginning, yeah, yeah, you were. The <laughs> um, but th- there was never the questions, um, well, like well, it, there was never the Q and A. You never prompted anybody. After a while, it just the story told itself.
2: Well, yeah, that, that was it? a very um, intentional part of the process. Like, um, you know, from my past <clears throat> documentary work, that was the process, you know, that I took,
1: uh-huh. uh, and
2: um, this goes into what I was saying about. I guess, you know, just working, you know, through my own technical and creative uh, experimentation you know, as I've been teaching myself these things. And, you know, the create, uh, experimentation still hasn't stopped. So, like, I wanted to approach it a different way, you know, because at this point, you know, there's a high proliferation of content, you know, and there's also, like, a high, you know, a proliferation of documentary content. Like, people have actually become like more engaged and, you know, they seek out documentaries because they realize that they're not just about something, you know, it's not always about it being just strictly educational or seeming like, you know, it's something that you got to watch in school. You know, people have been entertaining with documentaries a lot of different ways. And, uh, you know, since I started, period, but, you know, always, you know, Mm -hmm. when you really look at it in history. So I just wanted to find a different way to engage people um, as opposed to just, basically sitting them down in front of somebody who I sat down in front of myself and, you know, having them tell us a story, like I I wanted to figure out a different way to do that. I feel like, um, well, I know for certain that there are ways to blend, you know, those elements of a narrative and documentary, not just because, you know, I experimented with them. But the funny thing about it is, you know, as I was making the decision to do it, like I've been running across, you know, all these different films, you know, that, uh, you know, I've done it before me. Mm-hmm. So it's helped, you know, um, inform, you know, my decision-making process for future projects, um, especially me having done it. Because sometimes, you know, as artists, there are always these things you want to do, mm-hmm. and you hope, you know, try to create the perfect set of circumstances so that you can do it, you know, because maybe you hope you don't mess it up. But in, you know, this case, I just was going off of something that... um. Uh, I thought I could do like I hadn't seen any film like what I was trying to do at the time but I was pretty certain that they existed like I haven't able to give myself that type of credit for something that I thought I was doing that was new I'm like yeah probably somebody probably did it. I just told nobody yet that was the case but that's also where that style came from just just wanting to see something different you know I'm wanting to mm-hmm. move you know the, the art form you know forward in-
0: any way that I could. Right. I, um, yeah, I caught, got caught up in that documentary and my right afterwards tried to watch another one. Um, and just couldn't get that off my mind. Like, dude, I, I watched Nas's ill. Uh, time is illmatic on Amazon prime right Mm -hmm. after that. And the whole time I was just Googling art that like all the places that the guys mentioned, um, the uh art lyrics what's the name of the concert that happens every year art meets and lyrics yeah i was looking that up i had no idea that that happened man i feel so out of touch with culture um sometimes but yeah hey man that's the 11th year yeah yeah see i'm i feel yeah i'm i'm, I'm guilty I'll, I'll admit it um i'm learning it's that's okay man that's what we're here for and that's exactly what I was about to say. I'm definitely um, looking at you all like you're the experts, and I am astonished at the fact that you are self taught. Like, I would have thought that you've gone to school. Um, I, I don't even gotten your master's, and everything that you've done is so far has just been genius and ingenious, at, is a better word for it. Um, and to have a collaborator with uh karen rose i think that um you all are all phenomenal working together how did you, you all how did you both get come together as creatives
3: okay, we met in college
0: you met in college where'd,
3: What'd you, you say? where'd
0: y'all go to college i said i'll say can he
2: trying to make us blush <laughs> <laughs> You're
3: no we met in college <laughs> we went to uh tuskegee university we're tuskegee alum
0: Oh, word. That's what's up. A uh, couple, And uh, quite a few of the other actors in um, Smoke and Mirrors, they went there as well, if I'm correct, right?
3: Absolutely. Oh, right, Tuskegee right. gets a shameless plug every chance we get. Nice, nice. That's like, no doubt. That's, if you notice, the character Phil always, he I think there's one where he's actually just wearing a cowboy hat because that's what he does. But uh, he wears a Tuskegee mm. hat in every episode that he's in all the time. Like, there's, Fresh. you know, tons. Like, uh, Leilani's character, when she's leaving, I think, in episode two of season two, mm-hmm. she walks out with a Tuskegee bag. You'll see a Tuskegee hat in Dixon's house. You know, so Tuskegee gets, like, these random looks all the time. I dig
0: it. That's what's up. Um. So, what year did y'all graduate? If you don't mind me asking. What? I mean, I, I feel like I feel like we're peers, but I, I I'll hold off I'll hold off on that response until uh, we off air. Well, but, uh, you know,
3: <laughs> I'll comfortably say this. I'll comfortably say this. You know, it's funny because people always ask what our age is, but they never notice that like the name of our company has 1982 in it. It's real easy. This is it true. It doesn't take this any real guesswork. This is true. This is true. Um, you know. Yeah. But uh. Adrian
0: graduated in two thousand four, and I graduated in two thousand five. Okay, okay, awesome. In the Christmas, so in we're July, grown. Nah, I'm. I just hit thirty myself, so I um. I'm trying to All catch good. up. I'm trying to catch up. I'm growing up. I've been, <laughs> um, yeah,
2: we've been around a little bit.
0: The Christmas in July. What yeah, is yeah, 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 yeah? The, the production company, the name. What is where is that from?
3: Here's the thing. Uh, because we're so uh, deep and thinking and and everything has a, a deeper, more specific meaning. I, At least ninety nine percent of the time with the two of us. I bet. Then there's just that other stuff that just don't. Like it's not deep. It is shallow as hell, and that's one of them. Like Are, AJ's the birthday name? is during Christmas time. Uh-huh. Yeah, AJ's birthday is during Christmas time and my birthday is in July.
1: Oh, Christmas it's that July. simple. Huh.
3: That's it. That's it. Yeah, there wasn't. There was no uh, heading deeper, conscious meaning. We save that for every other thing.
0: That was something that I've always wanted to know that I'd answer to. And the logo, the running man, is that you, Artemis?
3: No, my doobie. <laughs> no, it's not.
0: <laughs> who? Who?
3: <laughs> what?
0: That's who. I said, my dooby.
2: Can uh, okay, I mean, and she she said something different. I mean, I, you know, mean, I don't know. Okay, I don't
0: think we need to be telling these people everything right now. No, I'll stop. Fine. These. Okay. All right. No. All right. I um. I I I I just who designed it rather is a better question. One game. of my students. Right.
3: <laughs> okay. One of one of my students. Yeah, I dig. Uh, it. a few years back.
0: I feel okay, like I made, uh,
3: yeah,
0: that's by hand. He he drew
3: that thing with
2: a Sharpie. Oh, wow. Quick so, yeah, smooth. that's not digital at all. Yeah. That ain't no it fancy is. design for him. That was lunch table.
3: That was exactly <laughs> lunch table.
0: Hey, I, uh, I, I, all through high school, even in college, I had friends that were just designers, and I'm like, yo, just I need something real quick. I need to just look like this. That's it. And I take it in and run with it and use it for a program for a production or something. So I can understand how that go. Um, do either either of you have background in theater um, at all?
3: I do, I do. Um, I started as a performing arts kid. I probably have been doing theater since I was maybe Then by the time I was in high school, as part of the International Thespian Society, I ran a specific troop,
1: 236.
3: Mm-hmm. Um I. So yeah, I, I had been a theater kid for a long time. When I first came to New York, there was a show that I had written, produced, directed for about three years called My Song the Way I Sing It, and I did that off-Broadway for some time, for about, yeah, for about three years. So I definitely, I come from a, I have a theater background.
0: Okay. Is this inherent, or is this just something that you've, uh, you're maybe the first in your family to be like that
3: that talented? Well, my parents actually were both creative people. Um, When I was a kid, my mom wrote for the paper. Mm -hmm. And uh, my father is, uh, this Jamaican phrase, we say, chief cook and bottle washer. Um, It kind of means that you you do everything. My father drew. He was a lighting guy, a sound guy, a cameraman. He still uh, runs his own media company called uh, Rainforest Media, where he does documentary film work primarily. So um, my parents... They are creators, so that's where I get it from.
0: What do I feel like I've heard of that production company before?
3: Well, you might have it confused with Rainforest Films. That's Will Packer. Rainforest Media is documentary. That's probably. But Rainforest okay. Films is a uh, Will Packer.
0: Yeah, that's that. Okay, yeah, that may explain it. You're right. Um, and I guess on that note, when it comes to your art um, background. Um, in theater, are there any um, inspirations like artists or directors or actors that are influential in, during the crea- creative process or people that you kind of like channel while performing? Like Artemis, did you really like take a moment to review footage of Love Jones when you shot that scene in season two or like?
2: Well, I mean, my only exposure to the dramatic anything is all through Karen so I'm not really at any place to speak in-depthly about being a yes. Um it was really just, it was a short lived learned trait I mean I learned a lot you know by uh, uh-huh. I think as a just as a person you know I, I think there is like you know just some type of natural quality I mean you know to how I speak and you know what I People even enjoy talking to me. Um, people seem to think I am a little funny. But uh, for the most part, um, Cameron Rose did a good job of, as 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 they say in sports circles, putting the players in the best position to win because that's what the coach supposed to do.
1: Right.
2: Uh, so, you know, that, that's just really it. I mean, I, I did what I could do, but I would say, you know, it was more of a Bill Belichick type effort on Karen's part.
3: <laughs> I mean, I'll say like for, for Smoking Mirrors. <laughs> for Smoke and Mirrors there, there were a lot of influences uh, the primary one is uh, Annie Hall Annie Hall hmm. definitely was our primary uh, based on how it was shot based on uh, if you really look at it, if you know the story of Annie Hall mm-hmm. um, Dixon is so is very much Albie Singer in so many ways um, and,
0: yeah, we and were, I the was voiceovers really the, yeah, the very
3: self aware absolutely. Yeah. absolutely Um self-aware, self-deprecating in a lot of ways, uh, you know, self-destructive.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So that was a, a heavy influence because a lot of times people think because we're black, they're like, oh, so it must she, uh, have been, she's got a habit, And right. that really wasn't the case the first season at all. And so because I knew that uh, people talked about it, we used it more. I think uh, in episode six of season one, we did, we borrowed... Stylistically, a piece, but we we went with it in the second season where uh, you see the men begging. That's that's definitely a nod to she's got to have it. Uh, but so yeah. it's you know Annie Hall. It's Annie Hall, and she's got to have it. It's a lot of it. it's a lot of it. Annie Hall though. Um, and then there's a lot of just me, you know, and just my style of storytelling, mm-hmm. and uh, and the way that I like to. To, to tell a flashback. I think uh, flashback sequences are generally very boring in my opinion. Right. You know, they, they, you tell a story and then there's some, you know, weirdness, some weird visual. And then we go back in time somehow. Right. And uh, I really, I wanted to, to challenge that. So in episode, I think it's three, uh, two or three, where the girls are talking and, you know, they're on set on the, the, shoot the model shoot and just there mm-hmm. and uh, then you know Dixon and, and Emily get in the car or whatever and then it flashes to the guys in the pizza shop talking about it happening I thought that'd be more interesting to to go into how it's going on that way in opposition to kind of doing you know I really just want to mix up how you watch film and how you tell a story and I think that what I wanted to do most uh, mostly was uh, to channel the best parts of everything I had ever seen and then to up the ante on a lot of it because I think it gets stale if you're not
0: careful pardon this break we thank you for listening to Films D Podcast if you're interested in being a sponsor or would like to be featured on a future episode please feel free to contact us at FilmsD at gmail.com that's F-I-L-M-D-E-E at gmail.com thank you now back to Films D Podcast episode 3 featuring Artemis Jenkins and Karen Rose Bruinick co-creators of the Christmas in July since 1982. There's a lot of thought that goes into the process that uh, you all do throughout the creation, although you just made it plain and clear that you all created, what, the first four or five episodes in a week, right?
3: Hey, man, I got a great imagination.
0: (laughs) All right, all right. Um, And I I guess I'm trying to get back on track with the questions so that uh, we don't, lose sight of uh both time and um just making sure that i uh, keep us uh on point um when you were writing uh the um when, just kind of i, I kind of want to get inside with the writing process was like um was it formatted like a tv show or a screenplay or i don't I, i'm i've never written any complete projects i've treatments I maybe wrote like the most 25 pages, and then I stopped because I didn't like the dialogue for a project or something. And I, 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 what kind of format did do you uh, empl- deploy when you're creating um, yours writing your scripts?
3: Um, it definitely depends on the story.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: For Smoke and Mirrors, I always knew it was going to be a web series, so it was written like one always. Um, You know, if it's, I think, you know, we we had done a project one before, it was a PSA, so the treatment was written completely different, the script was written differently. But for Smoke and Mirrors, I knew what it was, Mm -hmm. and so I wrote it for that that specific medium. Mm -hmm. And in terms of, uh, you know, the thought process that goes into it, I guess uh, one of the things that Toni Morrison says is that uh, you have to learn your characters' names first, because once you know their names, then they'll talk to you. And it's it always interesting when I try to explain it to people who aren't writers because I'm like a crazy person, but the characters have to do the talking. They ha, you know, And I have to stay honest to what they would do and what they would say. There's tons of things that, uh, if you watch the dynamic between the three male characters, both you know, Dixon, Phil, and Jeff, mm-hmm. it's very specific. You know, Jeff responds to things in a certain way all the time. I couldn't have him go crazy on, on Dixon without context because that's not Jeff's character. But on the flip, you expect Phil to say the wildest thing all the time. And whatever it is that you're thinking, he's going to say it times ten always. And, uh, and Dixon's in the middle, which yeah. generally is how men are characterized in everything. And there's a group of men. There is the one guy who's the cool guy who everybody's paying attention to. Then there's the corny, lovable guy. And then there's the other guy who could be cool if he wasn't such a douche. And that's generally the, the formula for Three men and almost everything, regardless of, you know, black, white, and different. That's generally how, it's, how they're, they're molded in any script. And uh, so then it's, it just is imperative that they, they talk and that, you know, you get their voices right and you say the things they would say. You know, I don't write, none of their language is the same. I don't rely heavily on the actors to know exactly what tone to give things. I really write it the way that I'd like it to be done. Um, it's one of the, the luxuries that you get when you're the writer-director. Mm-hmm. because you're the boss for real, and so you get to see that it goes the way that you want it to and that way. So I was, you know, very specific in the story that I wanted to tell, but a lot of it was having to listen to what made the most sense. You know, I couldn't just make Dixon's life roses, because that's not that's not indicative of his character at all. Like, he likes a little mess. He likes a little pettiness. He likes a little uh, drama, and if there isn't any, he'll make it. And uh, so I had to be really authentic
0: with the way that I told him. With that being said, when because there's no particular type, like would you? I guess as you were speaking, you kind of reminded me of uh, the uh, relationship or the work of uh, Gina Prince by the Wood um, and her husband. Mm -hmm. They both are writer, directors, uh, producers. Uh, They wear all those hats. Do you? Are there any um, either? current or past artists that inspire any of your your work or your style or uh, keep you motivated as a uh, creative
3: I'll be really honest and say that my style is very much my own uh, it's my Karenism that you get tons of thrown at you uh, Generally if you know me very well you can hear my voice in my work mm-hmm. I think now who motivates me is, is, is a different kind of thing I think I'm motivated by really everybody who's doing those things. Um, definitely as a black woman, it's a really exciting time in, in, television and film because, you know, black women are, are kicking ass everywhere and, uh, telling stories in different ways and that's exciting. So it kind of just, it keeps you motivated in that you really can do whatever you want to do. You know what I'm saying? You know, one of the most powerful people in primetime television is, uh, is a black woman and Shonda, She's been doing it for so long at this point, and she's now synonymous with, you know, TV hits. And so with ideas like that and, you know, with Mara Brock Akil also, you know, doing very well, it puts me in a place to just know that I can do this the way that I see fit as a storyteller. And, you know, in terms of, of our partnership, you know, Artemis and I keep each other very balanced and, it, it kind of just works. It works in a way that if everybody else has decided that, you know what, we're going to do things the way that we see fit, and we don't have to tell one set of stories, and that black folks are not a monolithic, homogenous group of people necessarily. We're very different. We do things very different ways. then so we really can just do it how we see fit. And that I think that's what's inspiring.
1: Um,
2: I mean, I've been, if anything, <clears throat> I may be a little bit more influenced certain creators, I mean, there are people who work that I admire, but it's a list that, um, you know, it's always open for addition, so I I don't really have, like, a, a hard you know, three or a top five that are alive um, you know, because sometimes I just, you know, might like a piece of what they did better than you know, whatever they may be doing now or, you know, whatever happened after that one thing that I like, so um, you know, in terms of like, you know, what's going on now for instance in me you know, let's take if you know the words feel free, um, in the style that I went with there. like I said, after I did the film and, you know, we put it out, then I started discovering, you know, these um you know, other artists, you know, who had put together films in, you know, a similar hybrid format. And, you know, the fathers of that format, you know, in an American film, uh, you know, the Maisel brothers, um uh so at m a y uh s l e s and you know what they were creating you know back in the sixties was something that they coined as direct cinema, which you know focused more on fly on the wall um, techniques that kind of you know had you question you know whether this was actually a documentary or something that was all staged and you know to reach a little further back you know on the the European side of things um in French film. Uh, you know, they had what was called true cinema, cinema verite. Um, I don't know if my French pronunciation is correct at all, but um, that also explored a similar idea, not so much about just being a passive observer, but also you know, um, structuring things in a way that seemed more um, you know, real and uh, rooted in in, uh, in what was actually happening. Uh, But there was a lot of space left to um, you know, I guess insert some fictional elements as long mm. as the general idea of truth was being communicated. Um, so you know, today I just got done watching um, you know, probably like, you know, I, even without having seen them all, I would have to say it's probably like one of the not even just one of the best documentaries, but one of the best films ever made. Some called the Act of Killing, and um, you know, it is like everything you know that I would want to do um, you know, a documentary filmmaking and, and you know, and that's the funny thing about uh I guess being influenced or, you know, even possibly not having influences. Because I mean, you know, this long winded story in a way was, you know, me saying that, um, although there are people who I look up to, like I do approach most of my projects, uh, you know, as if this just might be an idea that I had. Um, and if I can find something, you know, to borrow from then I will, but I often just find those things after the fact. Like, I don't really go into projects, um, you know. Like, I don't have anything that I'm going into. I really love Do the Right Thing. It's one of my favorite films, but I'm not going into any projects looking to make Do the Right Thing. Like, I look at projects, I look at people's films to see what not to do. Not, you know, in a disrespectful way, like somebody Mm -hmm. sucked at something, but, Mm -hmm. all right, well, this happened this way, and this is how they did it. So how can I add to it? How can
0: I put my own, you know, as opposed to carryingism, put my Artemisism on it? <laughs> <laughs> That's a mouthful, but you definitely do that with each project you produce, man. Um, I uh, I'm gonna have to check out that film, Actor Killing. Uh, you, it kind of reminded me of this. Sh- uh, I don't, I've never seen it, but the way you described it reminded me of this film uh, called Maniac. Uh, created by Kid Cut by Shia LaBeouf, uh, starring Kid Cudi, uh, came out back in what 2011 mm-hmm. or something like that.
2: It's way deep. that. It's, it's way deeper than that. It's way you deeper. Know, um, it, yeah, you might you clear out some time and you know some brain space, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it, it ain't it ain't it ain't a simple watch. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot going on in that film. Mm-hmm. Like the director's cut is two hours and forty five minutes long. The film itself is two hours, so either way, you'll have to sit your butt down for a little while and you know get engaged with it.
0: Is that a film I'm gonna have to watch one or two times to get it, or you'll get it the
2: first time? But it's honestly there's a lot, there's so much to it visually, and you know just the the amount of subtext that's in it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, depending on you know how a person's brain works. You know, they, there could be things in that film that they don't understand, you know, until like five years later, you know, the, the eighth or tenth watch. So, um, you know, it is that deep a film, you know, That's you of... check it a couple times. It's, it's not it's, it's not black and white at all.
0: <clears throat> Got you. Um, have you ever seen this film, uh, Symbiote uh, Psycho Taxi Take One, by William, William Greaves? He was a documentary. The have you ever seen it? No, I'm saying what's the name of it? Oh, Symbio Psycho Take One. Nah, I
2: don't remember a title like
0: that. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Okay. yes, yeah, it's, it's a experimental documentary, uh, William Greaves, uh, is known as a documentary, uh filmmaker. Um, he was also on the production team of I wanna say Do the Right Thing. Um and uh the film basically is—it's—it's it's a film uh, where the production team, the actors, everyone is a part of the film, and William Greaves has basically got them out there shooting the same project day after day after day, and they don't understand what he's trying to accomplish because he has like three different films, uh, production teams filming uh, each other, in the scene, and. There, uh, it, it it becomes an experiment in and of itself about um, just how uh, the production process works, and I I think that's a simple way, the simplest way to put it. Um, however, on a deeper mm-hmm. level, um, how I've interpreted the film, I would say that um, it's really an experimentation of how you can tell a story. Uh, both about both with and without actors um, being able to n- tell that narrative uh, because you have this production team that is a part of the process. That at the end of the day, films some- oftentimes are no longer told by the actors. Old black and white films, you know, those were told by the actors. The story, you saw it in their face. You, you could, the narrative was pretty much based upon their you know the staging of the production not necessarily the what happened in the editing suite at after uh 30 days on set at the most or whatever um so uh that was and that was his one and only film that he made um, that was outside of the realm of typical documentary but um yeah
2: I'll well, say that the thing that you' describing is probably symptomatic of the fact that a lot of people are. Uh, trying to make money and not art you can't uh honestly you can't make a whole lot of money making a whole lot of art until you can so it's probably why you know i'm gonna have the same impact
0: i'm trying to keep this interview balanced by speaking to the both of you as much as i can i think this question would be a joint question more or less um how do you feel or what do you think of the depiction of men on television nowadays. I know I read an article recently um, about uh, the concern of the uh, Hollywood's portrayal of uh, African American men um, and whether or not Hollywood has a homosexual agenda. Um, How do you feel about the portrayal of men on television and film and overall? Um, do you think that is fair and balanced? Do you think that there needs to be more um, uh, dominant or uh, more, I guess, uh, of a balance between the types of art, the archetypes that are um, seen on television and film now?
3: All right, betray- go ahead. You got it. Go ahead.
2: I don't think the portrayal of men is broad enough. Um, I mean, it looks like the same stuff. Uh, you know, with a little bit missing. Um, like, men overall, you know, are still portrayed pretty much the same way, like, and that directly influences, you know, how men in real life act. You know, everything is, you know, just so uh, machismo and patriarchally based, mm-hmm. you know, that you just kind of get the same characters characters of what it's supposed to mean to be a man. And then that's further um, clouded on you know when it comes to black men because you know the examples like basically there aren't enough examples of what we're supposed to be in real life to really refute what we're being shown on tv so you know when you're somebody who isn't really sure of you know like uh guess how a man is supposed to be and you hear um you know the songs that are being sung about you know um you know, whether it be R&B, uh, rap, um, you know, the, some of the things that, that you see in reality TV and music videos, because, I mean, so much, I mean, it, it's 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 not that much happening, you know, to where people are, I guess, constantly seeing, you know, um, I guess men in film. I mean, on TV, you know, shows like, uh, I mean, blackish, you know, that's what I understand to be, I guess, one of the more balanced portrayals of, you know, um, just black family, not even just black men, mm-hmm. but, you know, with reality shows dominating the way they are typically, um, I mean, you see a lot of different representations of black men. None of them really positive though. Uh, you know, you, you know, my, uh, we were watching, um, we were watching some reality show. I forgot the name of it. You know, I was watching with a couple of friends. It was just really turned off, you know, by, um, one of the guys, he lived at home, no, not now at home, like with his mother, but he lived with his girlfriend. He lived with his baby mother. You
1: mm-hmm. know, who was
2: supposed to be his girlfriend, but he wasn't claiming her. And then when she found mm-hmm. out, she had a problem with it. And you know, like he just, you know, it, it, it just didn't make him look good because you know everything that she was saying, like she was like, you know, you stay at my house, you know, da 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 da, you mine, blah blah blah. blah. And you know, there wasn't anything that he could really do to say otherwise, you know, because he had put himself in a position to be you know, what a lot of people would view as less than a man, you know, because like he has to live under somebody else, you know, essentially under their rules. And, um you know, if men are put in a position, you know, where they think that's something that they should sign up for, because, you know, like me as someone who is a child of, you know, the 80s and, you know, grew up in the 90s, um you know, my, the way I was brought up is, you know, I guess with the sense of pride that, you know, a man should, you know, be able to, be in a position, you know, to provide and then be able to, you know, like have some type of foundation for himself and for whatever he's trying to build. And I don't know if this generation really has enough context to even understand what's wrong with the image of a man on a reality show um, living strictly under, you know, somebody else's roof. You know, it's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, a woman being able to support a man or having the ability to do so. But the problem comes in when, you know, just a person but especially a man you know like just i guess kind of seem like he's okay with that you know um i don't think we just really see enough like i said of broad images like you know the images that we get now they're like they're so shallow and they're not even positive in a shallow way like at least you know everything you know i guess in the 90s you know when all men looked cool and you know needed to be like dominant out males are like at least it kind of that you're supposed to go on out and get something for yourself you know so that you could uh i don't know maybe be in charge of something like i don't think people like they never really were trying to show us you know how to like really make anything out of ourselves and it's even worse now so that's what i gotta say about men and their images
3: i mean i think that the truth is that uh all men are seeing the same, I won't say all men, but for the most part, men fall into one of a couple categories on television and in film, period. You know, and, and I said it earlier, you know, the cool guy who you're supposed to want to be, there is, you know, the lame guy who, you know, but he's got a heart of gold. Nobody ever wants to pop to being that guy, but most, more people are that guy that aren't. And then there's the guy who's in between, who you know, the kind of does too much, and that's that's the formula you see it on Seinfeld. You see it on every pretty much every show where there's men. I think uh, that you are seeing more kinds of men, but you know, in a lot of ways they are not good. I think that you know, uh, it's actually honestly, it's a breath of fresh air to see homosexual men on television. Because you know what, homosexual men exist,
1: mm-hmm. and
3: I think that. The idea that, again, that black people are a homogenous group of people, and so all black men have to be the, the smooth guy who gets all of the women, the criminal, or, you know, the down-and-out loser, is ridiculous. And, yeah. I mean, and honestly, in 2015, the fact that every man, every black man on TV has to either be, you know, has to be heterosexual is, is false. And I think that, or the idea that every homosexual man on TV has to be incredibly effeminate is also false. Mm. I think that we're in a time now where there are way more, since there are way more kind of people, there's way more stories to tell. I think that people have gotten lazy. People got very comfortable with the formula and they kind of stick to it. But I mean, I think, I think the same thing is true of the way that women are depicted in television. It's boring. You know, every there's you know one of three kinds of women, really one of two kinds of women, three all the time. And it's, people aren't digging any deeper. People aren't telling stories that are even true about themselves for the most part. You know, where, where are the stories about the women who are married and making more than their husbands? Where are the stories of, of that and how they're actually making it work? You know, what are the stories of, 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 people who are working? There there are no stories about that. And I mean, I made this, this argument once before in an interview, Where a part of our problem is that 18, people who are 18 to 35, black people especially, 18 to 35, don't exist on television. We don't exist. You are 40 and have figured it all out. You have a great career or you got nothing. One of the two. Or, you know, you're a teenager and you're doing, you know, crazy teenage gossip girl things. But you're not, there are no young adults, no young black adults on television, period. So that's why none of us see ourselves. I think, honestly, that's really what gave so much space for the web series game to do what it did Mm -hmm. when uh, it it first, you know, really kicked off. in like, 2010, 2011, people were running for them because they were looking for themselves. And as filmmakers, it put us in a place to actually tell the stories of us. So then you did see tons of different kinds of people because there were no boundaries about what people thought was marketable for television.
0: What are... Um, some of what do some of those characters to balance the spectrum of characters that exist now, what are some of those characters that could exist? What do they look like?
3: I think honestly, I mean, and whatever I'm going to talk about myself, I think that you don't generally see a character like Dixon. You don't see anybody in their late 20s who is self-employed mm-hmm. and, you know, trying to figure it out. I mean, in season two, in the first episode, I show him not getting work. You never see that. Yeah. that. That guy doesn't exist. You're supposed to either, A, go to college and figure something out and be, you know, go work for somebody. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, B, you've done nothing yourself and you're a criminal. That's it. Those are the only two options if you're a black person on television, black man on television. And so to be black, college educated, and self-employed you're completely avant-garde in terms of characterization of a person.
0: This is true because um, if he is a black man and he's self-employed, he's selling drugs or he used to sell drugs exactly. and now he cleaned up his act. So, yeah.
3: He used to sell drugs and now he's a rapper. Like, that's right, it. You right. know what I mean? And so, that, I mean, it wasn't just because, you know, Artemis is a filmmaker and, of course, it'd be, you know, an easy, an easy way to tell a story. Mm-hmm. It was also because I wanted to tell the story of real people and how real people live, and you know, this—it's just—it's always like you see, uh, in, in the character Jeff—you know, Jeff is a DP. Jeff is every time we see him, he's on set someplace, but he's just coming from someplace. Yeah, you know, these are real people living their actual lives, and I, like I said, we don't we don't see that generally. You know, it's honestly for all of people's criticism about how to get away with murder and you know how and that scandal it's actually it's nice to see black women who are in charge of things on television because that's real you Mm -hmm. know they're not always the maid they're not always the nanny they're not always you know second class trying to climb up sometimes they run things a lot of times they run things and so i think that those stories are important to tell and, um, and that's really, you know, what we try to do and how you see people in completely different spaces. I think that's the way you do it. It's really start to tell the truth about the way that you live. I don't think that you have to reach very far to find, you know, groundbreaking stories for people of color, because there's nothing groundbreaking on television. It's pretty much what you know. So I think start with how you live. Start with your actual friends and how they live and you tell the truth about your own story, and that's how
0: you balance it. You don't know how many friends, or even uh, people that I I guess I call friends, um, that I've told this that very same thing to, in terms of being able to go out there and tell your own story, just be true to who you are, don't try to be over the top with it, or artistic, or just do, do what you know, and everybody will come and <laughs> celebrate you because I mean you started at a, a humble place That that's where you start and that's where people are going to accept you they're not going to accept you as this almighty creative uh genius at the beginning because at that moment you're you're going to be on this pedestal and everyone's going to knock you down so yeah I, I understand that um with that last point you made um but um I uh I know that there are a lot of stories that definitely are not being told that can be told. Uh, um, I would love to talk with you both offline. I don't know. Are you ever interested in collaborating with others? I know Karen, you, Karen, you've, um, sorry, Karen Rose, you've, um, worked, you (coughs) have most recently uh, worked in collaboration with, um, Andrea Andrea Lewis. Yes. Um, are there other collaborate? Uh, tell me about that actually, before I go it um, further. With, what is that like? Okay, and what so is what what are the projects beyond uh, complicated? That's one. Is that right? The
3: name of the show is Beyond Complicated.
0: Yet okay, um, and uh, I'm not going to ask you a lot about it because I know that that's something more. So, um, I want to be able to talk about both you and Artemis's work. Um, but you all are, you've all collaborated with Andrea Lewis. Are there any other collaborations that you've had or or planning to have in the future?
1: Well,
3: I think we're always open to collaboration. Um, I think that, I mean, because honestly, uh, if you know the word soul free, is absolutely collaboration. Yeah, uh, you spoke to the fact true. that uh, you don't see a lot of Artemis, but you see a lot of Sean Foy. Um, and Sean Foy is really the you know, the near the narrator in a lot of in a lot of ways, uh, of the film. And so we're always open to is Sean the dark skinned one that's drinking at
0: the beginning or is Sean the light. With the hat. Okay. With okay. The
3: dark skinned guy with the with the, the hat with the and hat. the amazing laugh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yes. Yeah. yeah, so um it's it really is a matter of, you know, being on the same page in terms of, you know, the kinds of stories that you want to tell. But yeah, we're never we're never anti working with other people. I think that there's a there's a magic really, and in, uh, in finding out what other people have to say, and really kind of joining forces when when it's right. Got gotcha. you. And so um, I did do that, you know. Andrea and I, we actually met at a at a forum for you know filmmakers, mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, we hit it off. And um, you know she she's done the series Black Actress yes and she was interested in working together Until so we you know sat down and kind of hammered out what will what will be beyond complicated as a web series
0: okay and, and that's a production from uh jungle wild productions uh created by yeah, both andrea kind of lewis company. and brian walker right um yeah. got it um artemis you're not gonna be, you're not uh want to quickly fall in love, um, but are there any people that are currently creating? I guess I'm gonna rephrase this question for you any creators that you know of now that you would love to collaborate with in the future?
2: Um,
0: uh, <clears throat> I mean, someone no, that
2: nobody I, outside I of that, my media circle,
0: yeah, I was going to say
2: more than likely, um, I got a lot of. Yeah, I got, a lot, I got a lot to do. I got a lot of work to do with family. So, uh, you know, me and family, we're going to get the house right before I start talking all that fancy
0: talk. No doubt. And, and I take it that um, a lot of the work that you have created up until this point has been a matter of uh, building that family, right?
2: Yeah, because, like, I know enough about um, collaborating with other people and, you know, I guess the entertainment industry as a whole to know that being able to create and just work with people that you actually like is a luxury we're not all afforded, you know, I mean, you know, think about all the people who complain about somebody every week, every day that they hate working with and, you know, you, you kinda wanna just be like, well, Why don't you just quit? Find some people that you like to work with And um, you know, that could be the answer to their problems. But for whatever reason, you know, people tolerate the hand that their dealt. And, you know, I've been building up, um, you know, my career in a way where I don't have to make those types of compromises. Um, there will always be new people that you have to adjust to and, you know, uh, make compromises with and, you know, just learn to love in the process of working with them. Um, but in the meantime, you know, while I got, um, you know, people like Cam Rose to work with and, you know, um, uh, other creative partner that people know about Maya Bailey okay. and, um, you know, even on the new side of things, Sean Foy. Okay. Um, I'm going to stick with those folks because I mean, you know, we've had, talked about a lot of cool ideas and, you know, figured out a lot of different ways, you know, that we can, you know, make each other pretty wealthy and, you know, help our community. So, um, I want to explore that first.
0: Okay. Okay. I respect that man. And you definitely, I gotta say, you, you spoke to my spirit just now. I don't, I, it, 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 for so many different reasons, I feel like I've, in more ways than none, compromised myself. And, you know, this isn't what I do all day, every day. I, I would love to, um, but I got to pay the bills. And yeah. so I don't, until I get to a point where I know that this is something that will get me what I need out of life, um, not necessarily what I want, but um, I, I'm learning, and I'm definitely gonna take what you just said to heart uh, myself because i I want to get to that point where I'm doing nothing but working with people that I love to be around and enjoy working with um, and I really enjoyed this interview uh, with both of you um, I hope that you you both enjoyed it as well um, um, and we oh, yeah, share wonderful. it online um I want to let give you both the opportunity to. Uh, what were you about to say something artemis no go ahead oh no i was just going to say I, before we go i just want to give you both the opportunity to uh tag any and promo uh, promo any um, works that you have done um as well as your your social media for people to follow you where can people follow you both that online um and see more of your work you mind sharing that
3: uh uh-huh. Sure. I mean, our work is at christmasinjuly1982.com. Uh, you can go to our YouTube channel, which is, you know, youtube.com at christmasinjuly1982. Uh,
1: um,
3: you know, we did POP. We have a, a new POP getting ready to come out. We're in production for that now. Okay. People have been asking for it. So I do. I listen to everything that, you know, the fans, act. I read all the comments because I'm kind of insane that way. And uh, they want it, so we're about to give it to them. That's we're what's... definitely about to give it to them. So you can be on the lookout for that. I and, look forward uh, to it. You can follow me. Yeah, it's gonna be dope. You know, uh, and I guess, I mean you can follow me at uh, the Karen Rose on Twitter, on Instagram. That's where I'm at.
2: Yeah, Artemis Jenkins, everything uh, for me. A R T E M U S Jenkins J E N uh on the Twitter, on the Instagram, on the Facebook. Uh, what else? In life, like, in, in life for real life because, I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, especially in Atlanta, you know, my home base, I'll be in the same room with these people on a weekly basis and then they'll wait till they get back on Twitter or on Instagram and tell me that they saw me in real life. It's okay to talk to people in real life, you know, like, I come from that time where, you know, we had to know how to talk to people, you know, when you see them because, you know, you couldn't do things like get a job if you didn't know how to talk Mm -hmm. to people Mm -hmm. or a girlfriend. So, you know, I think people, you know, should practice as often as possible talking to people. Uh, And if you happen to be a fan of, you know, what we do, um, come actually talk to us in real
3: life. Yes, come say hey.
0: I'm I'm going to do that when I'm in Atlanta next time. I, 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 last year I was there. I'm going to come next time, and I'm going to hold you to your word. <laughs> I'm going to hit you up on Twitter and be like, hey, yeah, man. we got to meet in real life. So
2: No, for real, it's, it's all good. I'm just me. I don't know what people think when they're just staring at me and you know, being scared to talk.
0: I have no idea what that experience is like. I'm pretty sure that you are the man where you at, and so that comes with the territory.
2: <laughs> I'm not exactly
0: Christian Bale. Um, but you uh I, I just wanna again plug you website, Christmas in July, recently redesigned. I gotta say I love it. I work as a designer by day, so um I definitely am a fan of the work. Um come along. I I've I've been watching for a while so I'm loving it. Um, keep it up. And thank you again for this opportunity. Um I want to say thank you to anyone listening. Uh, please feel free to follow Films D on Twitter. Uh, check out the website, FilmsD, D D E E dot com. Uh, thank you. Peace.
2: Thank you.
1: All right. Um, Peace in a minute <laughs>